0: This 10 is insane. It has lost. Top to bottom, 57% of its value. That's from the break. That deserves a moment of silence. Hey, I've got a new partner to introduce to you today. This episode is brought to you by Nexo. Go to com slash Nexo to check it out. Nexo offers instant crypto credit lines, which allows you to use digital assets, aka cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, Litecoin, as crypto credit lines so you can... Deposit those crypto assets as collateral and get cash back via fiat currencies and stable coins so that you can uh, take a loan out using your crypto as your collateral to do so. For certain types of folks, this is really useful. Nexo launched in 2018 and since then has established itself as one of the world's leading crypto lending services. So far they've processed more than $1.5 billion worth of loans for more than 550,000 users on their platform. Whether you're a borrower or a lender. You can check out nexo and uh, we appreciate them coming on as a ledger cast partner go to ledgerstatus.com slash nexo to check it out and we'll talk a little bit more about it in the episode all right here's the show hello and welcome to ledger cast my name is brian krogsgaard i'm here with josh Olswich. hey josh hey brian how's it going i'm doing well uh <laughs> it's been it's been a long week i just mispronounced your name for the first time ever on this podcast. Uh, I, I have
1: to work on not laughing all the time because I listen <laughs> to my stuff back. I always listen to everything I do myself just to make sure I didn't say anything stupid. And uh, it annoys me that I laugh so much in all the in all the stuff I do. So I have to try to control that. So this is me Control
0: the laughter. You know what? Effort. I think I, I would welcome your laughter. So, you know, we're sitting here on Friday afternoon and uh, we're watching some pretty incredible market action while Bitcoin is just chilling. So I this strikes me as the type of week where maybe Bitcoin will just like rev the engines and do something crazy over the weekend. But it's like right now, everybody's just suspended and watching legacy markets. Uh, I mean, the S&P with an hour and 12 minutes to close, an hour and 12 minutes to close, looks like it's about to break new lows for the day. Uh, the most incredible thing I've seen in quite some time, is I've been watching these uh, bond yields, two-year, 10-year, 30-year. The 10-year yield at the time of recording is down 22% on the day, uh, which is not even the low of the day. It's a little off the low. And since it broke February 20th, it broke off of a kind of a daily consolidation flag. Uh, That was... 155 and now it's at 71 so it's lost more than half its value uh just in the past two weeks that is unbelievable to me have you been watching this
1: off and on mainly just the tweets and uh from people like you who follow legacy more than i do but it it uh it doesn't make sense to me like when when you use the logic of if you give the government money for 10 years and you get back less than one percent yield like what like how's that, how's that sustainable and or good for the economy? I, I don't know. I don't get it. You know, yeah. that's beyond I mean, my comprehension.
0: It, people will say, and you know, it's true. This stuff is related to, um, the, the rates in the market and all that. But to put it in perspective, if you go back to, um, 2012 was the prior low so we'd cut rates to zero and you know we made a move from maybe 340 350 uh, in 2011 to lows of like 150 so those are the lows we broke at 150. so in the in the depths of constant zero rates being reiterated over and over again uh cutting you know cutting of uh rates we were still at 150, and now we're at 50% of that. So that's what, that's why to me, this is significant because this breakdown is something else. Like it's, it's like a signal to say, Hey, we're just headed to zero. That's just, (laughs) it's just where we're headed. And, um, it's not just reflective of rates overall. There's something like the fact that people are willing to park money in there. And obviously the U S is behind some other places, uh, plenty of places are already at zero but the us is the standard bearer for this stuff so the fact that uh we're headed there like losing 50% of value in in, in 2 weeks is it's just insane i'm 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 mind blown watching this it looks more ridiculous than when bitcoin dropped from 20k and just had that initial capitulation to like 6k below 6k it looks more severe than that to me and the amount of liquidity in bond markets is insane so like the degree of this move is staggering can't you read the move as people
1: pricing in negative rates
0: that's what i think like i think yeah and i i think we're pricing in a lot more than has already happened and well yeah that's right yes i mean that's natural in any market i guess but like i feel like it's a little ahead of itself i guess is what i would say and i i'm um I tend to think that that's also true kind of for the speed of the market move thus far. Um, You know, it did move up. I don't know if it made 50%, a little less than 50%. We had talked about that on the last podcast because it was, you know, on its way down. But it, uh, you know, we're getting close to the lows of of the initial move down, whatever that was, 15%. But I just feel like, you know, one, it's on lower volume each day on this retest. So I feel like we're closer to the bottom for a near term uh, than we are to anything else. That's what you refer to as a growing bullish
1: divergence, Brian.
0: Yeah, there there you go. Yeah, reducing volume, higher RSI, which is true. Um, And then whether the price makes it equal low, lower low, higher low, I don't freaking care. I just know it's oversold. Um, Yeah, and that's a classic um uh,
1: capitulatory type of profile where volume is lower every day rsi is higher so that's good if you're thinking a reversal soon but the thing yeah. with capitulations is like rsi can go back to 50 and it'll still keep going down i mean look at turn on the weekly uh, oil chart if you want to look at bullish divergences that last multiple years i mean that that is the true uh not litmus test but a uh, the best example I have of like bull divs aren't or bear divs. Any div isn't like the end all be all of the market because it can just keep going. But yeah. Yeah. So definitely important to watch that though. If you're, uh, trading
0: and for what bonds, it's worth, God help you. O- oils, oils gotten hit even harder than, uh, equity markets. Obviously equity markets gotten hit <laughs> not near as hard as bonds. Um, but oil yeah, broke oil. the January 2019 lows, which was a melt-off from its highs in the 70s. It had gone down to $42, and it just broke those, and it's sitting here at 41 absolutely hammering the close right now. Um, and I wonder how much of
1: that is related to
0: um, just transportation in general coming to a halt globally. You know? Oh, I think oil's absolutely pricing that in right now, but I think um, – and maybe I'm wrong in the in the fact that I think the equity markets are are ripe for a move up, but I just feel like equity markets are where the money will go first, in my opinion. And we're seeing full on capitulation and pricing in of some of these this activity in oil and and bonds, and therefore I think when it starts to bounce, I think we'll see a lot of bounce in in equities, which is the standard bearer for like the. People's understanding of health of the market, you know. So if they say the bounce is on, well the bounce is gonna be in equities too. It's not just gonna be in bonds and oil.
1: And we talked about this a little on the last podcast about um completely lost my train of thought. Something about bouncing. Volatility. I I will it'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. <laughs> I <laughs> well, completely I'll, forgot. I was just okay. looking at that oil. I was looking at the oil chart. Biggest plunge since December 2008.
0: Oof. Yeah, there's a lot of 08 uh comparisons to be made right now. Uh we talked about the VIX last time and we talked about it in in relation to uh major Bitcoin moves, which is super relevant. Uh Bitcoin holding up at the moment. Yeah, thinking a higher 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 yeah. of the day. Yeah, VIX is currently making a higher high, but it's a divergent high, uh, if that matters. But the VIX is like right on the level where if it has another uh, another move higher, then it is moving into 2008 territory. I have to zoom out. Um, yeah, on the weekly. Well, it, so 2008, it hit 80? Yeah, but it, the, was uh, two, it was in two weeks. So, that's what we're gearing up for. Um, Yeah. So, the last one, two, three, three spikes, like 2015, 2018, 2019, above 30, those got faded intro week. So, we got a weekly close last week, and we're about to get a weekly close this week, both above that, which does offer some signaling for uh, more. We got two or three weeks above it. In 2008, and that's when we went to uh, actually what I'm looking at. We peaked at like 96 on a wick, but a weekly close of 80. Uh, we did close in these levels around these current levels, May 2010, and several weeks in mid 2011, which was but 2011 was kind of that oh we're just going to go back and make new lows, but then we didn't type of uh, mild retrace, um, and. That's that's kind of what we're looking at right now. So if we make a move up, we're quite in the volatility ranges of uh, 2008, and I mean that's that's pretty severe. <laughs> like, there's no really other way to say that. Well, I wasn't. Were you trading in 08? Uh, I was. I got lucky. I was. Yes, I'd been trading since. Uh, uh, one of the first memories I have was when Google went public. I thought $88 was expensive. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I've been trading with some funds. Like I'd put savings in there and, you know, I did some active trading. Like I messed with Bollinger Bands and stuff like back in 2000, 2001, something like that. Nice. But I didn't didn't really understand markets as well. But um, Mm -hmm. by 2008, I was finishing college and I was actually – Uh, mostly sold out of markets by then to pay for the end of my college, pay for an engagement ring, (laughs) you know, that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. I missed a lot of the downturn of the market uh, because I had to spend money. And when I started putting money back in, it was the bottom. So like, it's not really a fair representation of, knowing what 08 was like from a yeah. stop from a price action perspective. But I was certainly there from a life perspective, like myself and my friends were all getting jobs. And um, you know, I've mentioned this earlier in the week, the guy from Asari, whatever his name is, he was like, Ryan. this is what 2008 felt like. Yeah, Ryan Selkis. And I was like, no, it's not. People are hiring like crazy right now. Like I had some very good friends who had offers rescinded Uh, as they were like moving to go start their jobs and they just were like, don't bother, you know, and from, Mm -hmm. from like fortune 100 companies and this is not 2008. Maybe this is 2007. Maybe this is 1999. Maybe equity markets topped. It's not, this is not like middle of the down move type of 2008. Uh, everything's to hell in a handbasket. It's pre This is like the, if it's, if it's that level of crisis, it's like the, you know, we're turning on the burners, but we're not, we're not firing on all cylinders yet. Yeah. I wasn't aware of anything market related in in OA, so
1: I don't, I don't really have any backdrop to like say anything definitive, but
0: yeah, from a market's perspective and it didn't, it wasn't as impactful for me, but I start, I do have memories of like, You know, it's weird when your college friends are like, Did you guys see the stock market today? (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's like not really common in college. Uh, but I have memories of several days of that where I don't remember what the points were, you know, like the Dow points, but I think back then it was like maybe 700, 800 points in a day. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember some of those conversations happening, but that was, that was pretty early. Uh, we weren't feeling the full effects yet. So, yeah. So, I guess
1: the point is like, if Bitcoin was created in 08. It was incepted in 08. The, the white paper was written around 08. So, it, it'll be interesting this time around if it's if it exists and, and if it's alive and vibrant and there's markets to trade it, What? how it's going to react. I mean, so far, you know, we were following everything down on the way down a little bit late February, early March, but this week it's been pretty good you know eth eth has surprised me in that it's held this range and it's broke the range high today
0: yeah i'm surprised on altcoins we talked about that last week where i was i was talking about how i was a little concerned about how altcoins would act in this landscape but i felt like if anything was going to hold maybe bitcoin would seems like uh just because of a flows perspective maybe alts are kind of holding their own um and Bitcoin hasn't like super pumped yet. You know, it's had mild moves. Uh, I did do a, get into a small long and, you know, generally increase my exposure based on us talking last time. You talked about how these VIX tops have been signs of macro Bitcoin moves over the past several years. And I looked at that and I looked at the fact that, you know, Bitcoin was where I wanted to be a buyer anyway. It was like recapturing the 200 day it was uh kind of my horizontal levels i liked and i was like why am i not long right now (laughs) so i did get in a small long and i've just kind of been letting it roll um yeah a few people were asking
1: me if i was still buying where i said i was buying at like 85 or whatever it was this was like maybe last week Mm -hmm. and and i said yeah i mean that was the plan you know that's the thing about a plan like You can change your plan if you want, but I'm not gonna change it because like people are scared or there's fear. Like that's, again, that's the best time to buy, right? So 85 got hit on the exchanges I trade on. So that was, you know, it worked out. So I I don't know, like talking about trading psychology a little bit, like once you have a plan and you're confident in it, uh, don't go changing that plan, you know, like just because the plan is working out. you got to stick to your guns and uh, have some courage at times when it looks like it's not going to work out you know
0: yeah and managing your risk in a way that you're not uh you're not overexposed if you're wrong
1: right uh, that's another thing like people don't realize like i'm not trading 20x leverage all my positions i'm not trading 100x leverage most of my positions A lot of this stuff is spot. Some of it is 10X or less leverage, you know, 5X on Kraken.
0: I consider 10X a lot.
1: Yeah, I do too. But um, when I'm like, we talked about this before we started a little bit, but like you should be using futures and margin either either when you're hedging or when you're super confident in a highly probable good setup, you know, for whatever your, your trading system is, whether it be chart patterns or trends or whatever. Uh, yeah. you're not. You shouldn't be using it to like try to catch the bottom. <laughs> you know, like that's the worst time to be using leverage, in my opinion. Obviously, the risk reward is insane if you do, but more often than not, you're just going to be wrong. You know, people who are shorting the 2019 top every leg were wrong. People who are trying to buy this this down drop on every seemingly bottom got run over. The you know last two weeks. So yeah, unless you got for me, it's like chart pattern divergence. That's my bread and butter for a a long setup on margin, at least if I'm going to try to buy a buy reversal.
0: Yeah, and either way, to manage your risk in a way that you're not going to overexpose uh, your broader accounts or desire to be exposed to crypto. Like if you're if losing the trade makes you lose enough money to where. You're therefore underexposed the, versus what you want to be to crypto broadly, then it's the wrong setup. Um, right. You should never be in a position and nervous because that
1: means you're either overexposed or over leveraged. It should always be a part of your trading plan. It should always be uh, what's the opposite of reactionary <laughs>
0: cautionary. Should-
1: <laughs> it should no it should be like measured and like measured yeah. and yeah you shouldn't just be like willy-nilly let's let's see if this works out sort of thing you know anyway so yeah don't think like everyone's trading 10x 100x doing super well because I, I it just doesn't happen it's a fairy tale you know
0: yeah it's very hard to maintain uh, and this is whether you're using futures or whether you're using options, you know, Josh, you and I were talking about how, how talking about how you can use options as a form of leverage. Um, but it's really rare to use highly leveraged positions and just always be right. So like, you know, you have some trade that you can show off where it's like, oh, look, I 10X my money. Well, it's how many times did you lose 100% of what you put at risk, you know, uh, for the time that you 10X it? So. But if if you're going to take that kind of risk, that's fine. But you have to account for the fact that you're going to lose maybe just as frequently as you win and figure out what is your risk reward profile need to be in order to match that risk that you're taking. And yeah, so I'm with you.
1: And the other part of it is like patience and timing. A lot of people who are on high leverage typically want to make tons of trades and it's just like that's not how markets work (laughs) like you can't just make successive trades typically you know people there are people who are really good at scalping but you can't just make successive trades at high leverage and expect to win more most of those trades you know it just it just doesn't work out like that again like going back to my own past two weeks like I was out of the market for two weeks did nothing and then my bids filled you know it's like patience right patience training trading plan um, that's what it's all about it's not about constantly being in a position on high leverage
0: yeah my only caveat for that and it's because of maybe the way i trade and particularly in legacy markets with options is i can say generally hey here's my trade here's my trade thesis but i could be kind of rolling in and out of contracts for an option or you know at something that's with high leverage based on you know, capturing some profits and then leaving a certain amount on for, you know, maintaining exposure, but looking for a better entry. But still my overall thesis is the same. And I feel like if you're going to use higher leverage, it's got to be with something like that. Uh, Yeah, I guess it's mainly like what's, what's made me the most money is a trading
1: plan and patience. You know, I mean, obviously everybody's different. I think in general on balance, if people have a trading plan with patience, they're going to make more money than people who don't have those things. You know, people who are using low leverage, people who have decent risk profile and know what they're doing in that respect. Um, this again, it's to, at this point, to most people who've been trading for a while, that sounds like common sense because of survivorship bias. I guess it's like if you're still here after five years, you're probably doing something right. You know, <laughs> there's probably something yeah. ingrained in you, in your system. Of trading that has worked out, and it's probably not constantly using high leverage, uh, trying to catch every top and every bottom. But
0: I'd say I'd say almost certainly not (laughs) by constantly using high leverage or leverage at all. Um, Yeah, yeah.
1: one X, like you don't. Back to the leverage thing, you don't have to use leverage. That's the other thing people don't get. Like to me, at this point, it's like playing spot positions just is easy mode compared to using leverage.
0: Yeah. I look at that. I've been looking at that in terms of, um, you know, what am I, what am I positioning myself with? So I'll give an example because it's something I did recently and maybe I'm an idiot. I don't know yet. Um, but you know, I'd worked my way out of most of my long-term legacy market positions, like retirement accounts Mm -hmm. and stuff, uh, to where I was quite heavy on cash and bonds. Um, the longer 2019 went on basically, you know, so if you think of like a 80 or 60, 40 portfolio position, well, for a long time, I was hundred percent stocks. And then I kind of got lucky between, you know, that just the big dip down December, 2018, I had missed most of that, but then I got out, uh, I was started phasing out too early. So I missed some of the up, Uh, but nevertheless, like the last couple of months, I missed uh, a good bit of the, like 300 to 330 type of move on, the, on spy. So like a 10% market move, I missed a lot of it. But when I was looking to say, okay, where do I want to, uh, you know, reinforce my exposure? Cause I'm still young. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't necessarily need to be 80% out of markets when I'm in my thirties, um, which was close to where I got to, not quite, but you know, it's probably 70, 30. And so when we dropped fifteen percent, we were on the monthly uh, twenty-month moving average in a fifteen percent dip. So I was like, "Well, I'm just moving some funds back into stocks. Like that's an exposure I'm I'm okay with." And it could totally go another fifteen percent, but I, it's not like I was putting that on leverage. It was long-term accounts where, from my point of view, I bettered my price by fifteen percent, and you know, recaptured some of the stuff that I'd missed by not being there for the ten percent up move. Uh, are not fully there. So that's the way I position from a long-term basis, which is incredibly different than the way I would position in a whole different account, something I'm more actively managing.
1: Yeah. It, the other thing t- it, with timing is time horizon. Like how long do you want to hold this? What's your, that goes back to what's your plan. You know, if you're bullish BTC, yeah. why are you trading intraday charts versus thinking of the long-term DCA holder mentality, you know, that that all goes back to like, what are you doing? Is it worth your time? Are you constantly losing money? Like people need to be self-aware in that respect. I think that's most important too.
0: How many people do you think trading Bitcoin are thinking like, oh, I'm not really going to touch this until I'm 60 or 70? (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that many people are thinking of it that way. Very few
1: people. I mean, I'm not even thinking about it 60 or 70. I'm thinking about it like 10 years from now.
0: But yeah. 10 years from now, that might change, you know, but... So how, yeah. how silly, if you're right about being in crypto and like the justification for being in crypto, let's say Bitcoin hits fifty to to $100,000 sometime in your decade-long, two-decade-long span that you're thinking through. Well, you'd feel pretty stupid if you lost half your money because you got a $500 move wrong, <laughs> you know? Exactly. So...
1: Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't be on cross. uh, You shouldn't be using leverage at all if your, you know, if your time horizon is ten years. That's my.
0: You shouldn't be exposing a vast majority of your account to that type of volatility. Yeah, if that's that's your time horizon. Better
1: said that way.
0: If you you need your fix, then take like one or two percent out and use that and treat it seriously. Don't just say this is a lotto ticket. I'm going to spend it because then you'll just give it to Arthur or whoever else Uh, and their insurance fund but if you're if you're really wanting to you know be more active with something then do it uh with a smaller amount of your money and 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 do it responsibly pay attention to what you're doing and if you're lucky maybe you'll take that one or two percent and turn it into ten percent that's your goal in that scenario
1: yeah and like protect yourself against yourself use multiple trading accounts use a use a Hardware wallet, you know, do all this this stuff that everyone talks about to like have a stopgap to prevent you from saying, "Oh, I'm just gonna get long here, short here. It looks good." No, keep no, not your keys, not your coins. Keep your coins off exchanges anyway. That's my spiel on trading. My once a week spiel. I don't. Hey, I, I, it's I guess important. It upsets. I guess it upsets me to see people losing money so easily. And as a trader in a zero-sum game, it's like, why should I care? But I don't know. It still upsets me.
0: It, well, there's just, enough players in the in the game to where you know the people listen to this podcast, uh, you know, we're on their side. We, we're allowed to be friends with some <laughs> some people in the market.
1: Yeah, I I guess you could say it like that. I also just can't stand stupidity, and that's a, a prime example of stupidity.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, if you don't listen to this podcast, I want to take your money. Right. Uh, sure. Of course. Yeah. But if you if you listen to this podcast, then let's all just high five at the end of the day. You know, when right. we feel like we've high been just, or elbow, we're just elbowing now, actually. Elbowing. elbowing. Yeah. The the corona kick. Have you seen that? Uh no. It's I've, like uh, it's uh, like a, uh, a handshake with your foot. You just yeah, give I people a little a little tap with each foot. That's um uh, that's silly. <laughs> I don't think I've I'll do that. I've done it twice this week because I thought it was funny. Okay. Enjoyed well, it. Enjoy I enjoyed it thoroughly. That's very um
1: Suburban white of you. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: well, you know, I'm a suburban white. <laughs> what can <I> say? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> what else happened? Right. In, we'll start with legacy
1: as far as news. Yeah. Anything, uh, what else happened this week? I mean, obviously the Corona stuff is ramping up in the US. There's companies from banking companies to tech companies telling people to stay home from work, telling people to work from home, canceling travel trips we're, we're seeing festivals being canceled ultra got canceled which is in miami at the end of the month south by southwest people are pulling out of all sorts of conferences we talked about this last week are being canceled people are pulling out of them uh, i think we're going to continue to see that over the next few months until this stuff sort of dies down a little bit uh, yeah are you seeing anything in that realm specifically
0: no, that's everything uh, that I think of from that perspective. The only other thing I would say is it seems like so far it's spreading in clusters, but it, it'll probably be in a neighborhood near you before too long. And we've been specifically requested not to spend too much time on uh, COVID-19. Literally everybody else is, so I can we can let them have it in terms of the overall impacts. But I think I'd just leave it as this probably was a catalyst for something that's longer term more important. And I just... You know, I want to be cognizant of that, but, eh, you know, things don't always move in, like, vertical straight lines in, like, one or two weeks' time. So, I feel like we're – I personally feel like we're towards the tail end of the immediate impacts, but I could be totally wrong.
1: Well, it feels like relating it back to trading, like, the analogy is, like,
0: kill zones for – Um, kill
1: zones are like when basically when people are awake and trading around the world, that's when there is liquidity in the market. So just because it's 4am in the U S doesn't mean it's not a market open somewhere else in the world. And I feel like it's very similar to this um, COVID-19 rotating around all the time zones and all over the world. It's like, you know, Italy got their stuff. Switzerland is getting it today heavily. We're getting stuff in like San Francisco and Houston and New York and cases in, uh, DMV region, uh, DC, Maryland, Virginia. So it's like, it's rotating all over the world. And I think that's just like continually kicking up fear, you know, for those specific places and just the markets are just not having any of it, you know? Yeah, Uh, definitely. So yeah, that's, that's all I have to say on that. But,
0: um, a couple other things, Robin hood is, I don't know what you call it. Coinbasing itself like the darling of uh legacy trading and it was down for multiple days. Uh the darling of Wall Street bets legacy trading. I don't know yeah, if it's the, the darling of like anybody
1: who really the, trades legacy. <laughs> but.
0: I mean, I don't I don't know what uh what some of this like Citadel, some of these high frequency trading firms that buy Robinhood data, how do they mm-hmm. even trade? They had no they had no noobs to steal information from in front run. I'm sure they have other ways of calculating. <laughs> yeah.
1: They probably they probably have
0: like sentiment analysis on Wall Street bets to like see. Oh man, I bet. Uh, gold hit seven year highs and gold is, in my mind, not interested in going back down uh, in a significant way. I think everybody's on to the fact that all of this activity is bullish for gold and... Uh, you know, we talked about how li- the need for liquidity via margin calls and stuff could be justification for uh, gold to go down because people have to sell their positions to fund other positions. In my mind, it looks like there's plenty of buyers to pick up uh, after kind of short-term capitulation from people getting margin called in these futures markets and stuff. Gold is look like it's about to close this week close to seventeen hundred. Right up there in the reaches of what all time highs are and it looks like it's about to blast to me I just I have no I have no bearish bone for gold in my body um uh, dips or buys on gold in my mind um which has yeah. implications for Bitcoin too for sure and I put silver in a similar category but it's lagging like crazy like it's silvers on supports so while gold is going wild so. Part of me thinks silver could end up following, but maybe it'll get hit a little harder. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I see gold as a as legacy people's view of prox of a proxy for BTC, or the proxy that BTC is for gold. You know, so like if gold is bullish, I, I'd like to think more legacy people see BTC as a macro hedge versus not. But I could be wrong. I don't. Again, we talked about this last podcast, but we've never BTC hasn't existed in a down market. In legacy, for the most part, because it was created in 08, so until we have an actual like down market, like we're seeing now, yeah, you know, the, the macro hedge narrative isn't really confirmed. It's just an idea.
0: The fact that Bitcoin's at nine thousand and not five to six thousand right now, to me, tells me that it's a place where people are interested in maintaining exposure to, rather than yeah. liquidating at all costs because they, you know, everything's down or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, I um, like the narrative. I agree with the narrative. That's why I'm here, but I'd like to see more evidence, you know, that that's Yes, the case. that's
0: true. We're not seeing a ton of evidence. Like, we're seeing mild moves, not big moves, and that's curious to me. makes me wonder mm-hmm. if maybe we're just gearing up for the big, big, big move, like the, uh you know, the books kind of empty out, no one willing to sell, off you go type of moves. Um, and people are talking about this on Twitter, but... In
1: 08, gold didn't go up. It actually went down. It followed the market. And then the years after 08 is when it made its all-time high.
0: Yeah, and that's what we were talking about in terms of the needs for liquidity. Once the bear market got really bad, people were had to get out of those positions. So it did well, kind of like it's doing now. And then it uh, didn't do as well because people just had to get out because they had to pay for other positions because their positions got too bad. Uh, now, gold's at resistance. I'm not going to act like it's not, but it just – it looks really good <laughs> you know like we just seen a uh, few
1: more a uh, few more drop gold commercials from barry and then we'll be set
0: right there you go nexo is spelled n-e-x-o go to ledgersizecom slash nexo to check it out they're the only provider offering instant crypto credit lines which lets you use digital assets as collateral to get cash in 45 currencies and stable coins In order to secure a loan with Nexo, you first deposit collateral that will be used as your deposit to repay the loan if you fail to do so otherwise. The cryptocurrency is available to serve as collateral, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, Litecoin, the Nexo token, BNB, XLM, and EOS, with new collateral options being added regularly. Nexo offers the ability to earn 8% daily compounding interest on digital assets, Euro, USD, and GBP. This is up to 130 times what traditional banks offer. What's more, interest is paid out daily and you can add or withdraw funds at any time, making it super flexible. Nexo launched in 2018 and since then, they've established themselves as the world's leading crypto lending service. So far, they've processed more than $1.5 billion for more than 550,000 users on their platform. The company has $100 million in insurance on all custodial assets provided by the leading audited custodian, BitGo. So don't worry, your assets are safe when using Nexo. Get started with Nexo at ledgerstatus.com slash Nexo. Any other – oh, the emergency rate cut, definitely impacting these bonds. Uh, but it's not the only thing, like we mentioned earlier.
1: Well, it's not even just the emergency rate cut, like we mentioned, like I mentioned earlier. Like I think the bond market is pricing in future rate cuts to zero or negative at this point. Yeah, yeah. and I think the I think the prediction markets are predicting further rate cuts. Trump certainly wants us to go lower,
0: which is so, all bad for the all bad for the dollar. The dollar has uh, a. <laughs> We probably got this from a sentiment perspective, like, totally wrong, because we were talking about how, like, the dollar looked like it was ready to rip. And then I don't think it's had an up up day since, basically. (laughs) Uh, The dollar is at 90, almost 90, right at 95.98. It got as low as 95.72, and that was a straight down move off 9992 it didn't quite get to 100 we were talking about or i was talking about how it looked like it was ready to hit some price discovery up to like 102 103 and it just died it is under the 200 week moving average right now trying to save it on this weekly it looks atrocious the dollar does uh all that to me signals just the same stuff as bonds and gold and everything else it's like we're about to turn on the printing machines you know
1: yeah. But doesn't Trump want a weaker dollar
0: for yeah, because of imports, yeah. import export right. stuff? And it would achieve that, but it also impacts some of these other prices that we're seeing. And and also is theoretically the type of thing that would offer bullish sentiment for Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, I agree. I haven't looked at that comparison in a while, Dixie versus uh BTC. But a weak dollar should propel BTC.
0: Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on legacy markets? Not really, other than uh, I was thinking about
1: buying more stock. I don't know if it's a stupid thing or not. Like, I was looking at, not even looking at charts, just looking at like stuff I use and believe in long term, stuff like Twitter. And I don't think I own Twitter yet, but I wanted to. I own Square already, but I don't know, just like playing around with, you know, buying fear basically.
0: Yeah. I don't disagree with you. Um, You know, it's again, depends on your time horizon. People could tell you you're an idiot or, you know, after the fact, they'll tell you like, I can't believe you didn't buy the dip. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do know with these, the whole point of uh, the VIX being skyrocketed is that is volatility. So it's, it's showing us that volatility is enormously high. And in the watch list that I look at, every freaking ticker i look at looks like it's between you know 3 to 12% one way or the other uh a lot more red than green but um highly volatile movement and it can make some of these choices feel really stupid like a day later i mean i i tried getting back in square now i was in options not spot or not common shares but I was out of there so quick, uh, because it started to fail the short term rally I was looking at. And then I'm looking today and it's down like six and a half percent. And it's so easy in this type of market, people just dump stuff, you know, and that creates value opportunities for sure. But if you get in and then it's like, it has another day or another two days, all of a sudden you're 10, 15% behind with volatility this high because a six to 8% move is totally typical. Um, so probably if you're looking for longer term positioning in this type of market, averaging in is not going to be the worst idea in the world. Yeah.
1: So I was just going to say like DCA,
0: can't, yeah. can't lose with DCA, right? <laughs> DCA every day. I've been uh, rebuilding my Bed Bath & Beyond position for a couple of weeks. And if you look at Bed Bath & Beyond over the last couple of weeks, it's gone from $12 to $9. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> hey, well, you know, uh, yeah, but it's what are you like... Do? My thesis is still the same, you know, it's, I think it's heavily discounted even for all this stuff going on. It's like, it's in my zone. Like this is where I want to be piling in to something where I believe it's a deep value play, high dividend producer, yada, 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 y'all don't need all this.
1: And let me just counter the DCA narrative with uh, lump sum buying historically has always
0: outperformed DCA. Yes, but it can feel better to DCA. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So don't don't think like DCA is the only way you can do it, but uh, yeah. yeah.
0: It's kind of like, I don't know if you ever heard of like Dave Ramsey, you know, it's like sometimes the way it feels is more important than the logic of it. Yeah.
1: I mean, well, the part part of the reason that DCA has underperformed lump sum is because stocks generally have a upward uh, bias over time. Right. So. You know, if that's not the case, if Just that not right now. you know, right, right. So anyway, that's the DCA or slump sum. discussion. There's a
0: transition, you know, there's a transition that can happen in a market where people go from being dip buyers to being, uh, rip sellers. And you know, if the trend of the market is to people are being rip sellers, then DCA in my opinion does make more sense. Uh, if you're catching yeah. knives. Yeah. I showed you the, I showed you the monthly Exxon chart right before we started recording and uh, you know, Exxon's getting into deep value territory, but it also has one of the ugliest monthly charts I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) It's it's Three, three months of death uh, from like 70 bucks to sub 50. I mean, that's a gigantic move for a, a, a company of that size. And just representative of all this, that's a 33% move on a company that puts out, I don't know, 4 four or 5% dividend, which is much higher right now, makes fortunes, yada, yada, yada. And over the lifetime of the stock, shoot, from a down perspective, you got to go back to like the 70s to find something that looks this ugly for Exxon. Like it's It's really ugly. So am I going to blame somebody for starting to buy that? Absolutely not. But maybe not do it all in one day.
1: Yeah, trend-wise, that's one of the ugliest charts I've seen in a long time. It's, Just a, it, a, it's real it? bad. <laughs> since the, since 95, it was in a bull trend.
0: Yeah. On the monthly? Uh, uh, based on the cloud? Oh, okay, yeah. But yeah, yeah it no, has had very few times where it it, it it looked like this or anywhere close to this. Maybe um, it's a paradigm shift. Well, energy stocks are the lowest percentage of the S&P right now than, like, all time or, I don't know, 100 years, something crazy like that. So there's certainly been a shift in terms of the role energy plays in the broader market. Um, but this is this is kind of crazy, you know? Yeah, it is. Logic would tell you, come back in a year. <laughs> like, it's that bad. Um. Yeah, certainly if you're looking for trend reversal, trend confirmation, or something like that. But part of me says is, jump in. I
1: don't think the bottom is in on legacy just based on stats. Like somebody said the uh, SPX down more than 1.5% on a Friday has been followed by a lower low on the following Monday, 93% of the time, dating back to 1990. Yeah. So that just means it's unlikely that the market's bottomed today.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, I don't disagree. There's, I I think there's a difference between like your macro bottom and a, uh, a true bottom, you know, like a macro bottom and a local bottom. Now, whether it's smart to try to dance around finding your local bottoms when you don't have conviction that the macro bottom is in, maybe, uh, maybe that's not wise, but I think we can have relief in a short term sense, like over the course of a couple of weeks at the same time as thinking, you know, in 2020, I think we'll see lower lows. Yeah. I agree. But if you don't so, want to pay attention to it, then just maybe walk away for a while.
1: Yeah. Just basically my, my play, my trading
0: plan for legacy, just buy when I think it's a good time
1: <laughs> and ignore it the rest of the time.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, there's some uh, crypto news. We've talked kind of about price but you know we're a little over 9k trend wise things look pretty good but we're not you know we're not exactly like moving rapidly uh i talked to you via twitter we didn't really talk about it (laughs) over voice or anything yet but there was a inverted head and shoulders on the four hour chart that started to play out and looks like it's kind of consolidating before a further move up for um I see it on Bitcoin. I haven't even looked at Ethereum. On the four hour? Yeah. On Bitcoin? Oh, yeah. I mean, I see
1: a head and shoulders potentially that broke up on the 5th, but I guess that was yesterday.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. That broke up. It broke up from like 89.70 and had a a first leg to 91.50, and now it's just consolidating, but it hadn't reached the measured move of a head and shoulders yet. Um, Yeah, for these. For these alts
1: as well on the 4-hour, I've been watching like rising wedge potential versus bullish edge-to-edge with the bullish TK cross. And BTC just had its 4-hour
0: bullish TK cross as it's still in the cloud here. I see what you're saying on Ethereum. 4-hour head and shoulders that's just consolidating just above the neckline right now. Yeah. Yeah, it looks good on the 4-hour. I have not paid attention to it, but I like that. It's uh, now the move up maybe like it's hitting resistance already at like two fifty, so it's like twelve dollars from now. So,
1: yeah, shout out to Sparacato for pointing out the uh, four-hour ETH the other day. Our buddy Sparacato, bird uh, lover, <laughs> and uh, making me watch that. But yeah, so ETH looks good. It broke the range high, it broke the accumulation range, uh, it broke the VPVR high or range, whatever you want to call that. I like two fifty plus in the near term for do you ETH. like
0: it versus BTC.
1: Uh, I don't know. I trade that. I trade the ETH BTC pair so infrequently that I don't
0: even think of it as
1: like this versus that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe that's a bad viewpoint of it, but, uh, I mean, ETH- it looks
0: like it's flagging a little bit to me, but it's purely because of this one daily and, if you asked me yesterday, I would say it looks like it's about to crater. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I don't know. ETH
1: BTC, I, I mean, it's at a macro or a, a historic support resist level right now, On the holding on the upside. Top yeah, side. I'd, ra-
0: I'd rather see it, I'd rather get in on a BTC relative basis above 0.0 to 265, uh, just because of the 20 day moving average on ETH BTC. It's so at the, so.
1: the yearly pivot. Like it's on the top side of the yearly pivot right now, ETH, BTC.
0: I don't know. Okay. I, just, I feel like they're
1: leapfrogging. Like two days ago, I woke up and I was like, oh, BTC is higher than I expected it to be. And then today I woke up and I was like, oh, ETH still at 236. And now it's at 238 and change, almost 239. Uh, so I, I think they're just leapfrogging each other at this point. I don't think there's like strength particularly in one or the other. I think both are look
0: really good right now. Yeah. Well, I don't hate it. I, uh, I've i not I've really not paid any attention to Ethereum, and maybe I should since it's got this, uh, you know, all this news coming up. Progressive proof of work. You've got a note about this. This is an article you did, I guess. And See, I didn't um, write about ProgPow specifically, but there's been a lot,
1: and I'm going to continue to talk about this. I, I don't see many people talking about it on Twitter or at anywhere, really, but maybe that's because I'm not really connected to the Ethereum circles, but... Again, basically they're, they're wanting to change the consensus algorithm to brick ASICs and promote GPU mining or incentivize GPU mining. And this is all sorts of downstream effects for the network as far as security is concerned, who's going to profit from this, that sort of thing. Um, and they're looking to do that before middle of the year as far as I can tell, but there's no like definitive date. Recently they just discovered an exploit or a weakness in the algorithm that they've patched or going to patch um, so yeah it's it's just an interesting i think the ethereum mining market is super interesting because they keep punishing the miners on purpose yeah. in the in the effort to promote proof of stake that doesn't exist yet so this is question a question i have for
0: you what is, what are the miners going to do and what power do they have in the ethereum ecosystem
1: well they can fork and create eth you know, e- ETC 2.0, basically. <laughs> yeah, they can say, we're going to keep this algorithm. We're going to fork. Uh, so the miners have that power, but really it comes down to the exchanges. Like, are the exchanges going to list ETC 2.0, you know, uh, or whatever they're going to call it. Um, so it's it's up to the miners, I think. But if they have enough GPU miners post-ProgPow to support the network, then it'll be fine. It's not like the end of the world. Uh, but yeah. obviously, if you're a miner with multi-million-dollar operation using ETH A6 currently, you're not happy long term, right? But short term, you're making a killing because right now the profit on uh, ETH mining it's is really, really, high. really high, relatively to where it's been. I feel like when profit months. is
0: really high on mining, like miners don't really like to talk about that. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they don't start complaining until they're losing their tails. You know, that's true. And I, you don't really hear about like mining profitability. Being
1: insane, even for BTC right now, like the break-even prices for mining is like 4k, 5k, even lower depending on your your electricity costs. Like there's this article that just came out this week about this New York State power plant who's mining using their uh, like off-peak uh, electricity. So they're, and they're making about fifty thousand a day. They were saying U.S. Wow. So there are, you know, there's lots of miners making lots of money regardless of what they say. Um, the real question is post having when the reward gets cut, what if, are they going to do? If price doesn't keep up with the, uh, reward having as far as profitability, you know, there's going to be some issues there, but we'll see, you know, if we, if we go similar to 2018, if we go to like sub 4k, um, post having that's going to be a a big pain point for a lot of miners
0: globally i have a noob question for the ethereum miners if someone's made ethereum asics uh they can immediately switch hash to like uh etc right correct and uh, anything else that runs the same you know runs the same type of algorithms as ethereum whatever point oh it is right now
1: as far as i know it's just etc but
0: there could be some other network that uses it, but I think it's just ETC and ETH. Gotcha. So uh, unless someone launches a coin that is explicitly uh, adopting that algorithm, then uh, ETC would be the main beneficiary of just spare power that might turn on for it. Right, and but that doesn't mean their miners are profitable mining ETC.
1: Like yeah, region- I can just
0: imagine some speculation potential around there where someone's going to be like, well, I'm just gonna buy this because a bunch of miners might turn them on.
1: Yeah, if you like what compare, else are they
0: gonna do? Recycle them?
1: <laughs> exactly. But if you compare ETC hash rate versus ETH hash rate, um, they are starting to converge. <laughs> As in the ETC hash rate has increased continually over the past few months. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if that's prog power related or if that's proof of stake related or just coincidence, but uh, it's an interesting Metric to, to look at.
0: So we might as well dig into a couple of Ethereum killers. Am I right? Um, like Tezos. Tezos Tezos had a network upgrade. Uh, Carthage. Carthage, Carthage like Carthage like, like, Carthage. Athen, like Greece, right? It's their whole <laughs> uh, stick. Bad yeah. There you go. Uh, do you know anything about this from a price perspective? Uh, I got some hate from the people of Twitter because I said that it looked like. Uh, Tezos didn't really want to do anything for the next three months or so relative to BTC. It looks...
1: Why would you get hate for that? That's that's bullish. Like, let it consolidate, you know? I don't
0: know. People just Nudes. want all-time
1: highs every day, I guess.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, but it looks to me like it's just ready to consolidate for a long time. Uh, if, I, if I look at what it's done so far, which is print a lower high and, um, you know, some bottom wick type stuff. Like I can just dr- go ahead and draw you the falling wedge that's going to take until like mid-April <laughs> to complete and you know you can buy it back at the retests of the all-time high price discovery break at around 25k satoshis and just enjoy it. And enjoy your time uh doing nothing, baking or exploring other altcoins. That's the way I would look at this right now. I mean I just I'm going to send this to you Josh while we're while we're talking so that you can say you know what? I see what you did there and I like it. Or you can tell me I'm dumb, but it's what it looks like to me. So, with my altcoin portfolio that I track
1: on BNC Pro, BNC hyphen pro.com,
0: um, <laughs> ledgersass.com slash BNC. There you go. Um,
1: I sold the Tezos position between 345 and 350 and then rebought it at 278, I think. What um, a
0: beast. <laughs> That's the absolute <laughs> bottom of the dip. That's
1: USD prices. So,
0: uh, oh, okay, okay. So
1: I'm uh, baking again. I'm just going to hold it. I have no intention of it's, it's selling it. Yeah, at this point, for any reason, really, unless it makes you know, five to ten bucks USD. Get that six percent a year, baby. Yeah, or whatever it is. Um, but I did it again. This that was my trading plan. You know, sell the two X position, rebuy it lower. That's what I did. So <laughs> it is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so I can see this XTC XTZ BTC chart with the falling wedge narrative possible.
0: Yeah, you like my look on that? It's okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it, it can become a lot of things. It could become an ascending yeah. triangle. It could do anything. A pennant, but right, right. I can see is, the landscape where it does nothing for the next three months, except kind of drift downward and. I don't see anything in the price action that makes me think this is where I want to be speculating on a BTC relative pair. Yeah, I agree. And I
1: think that's across the board for almost every alt that I've looked at. Uh, the BTC pairs either look super weak or they're super rangy. It's looking at BNB a lot this week. Cause I wanted to enter a BNB position with the, the alt coin fund I had. Um, and I just didn't want to pull the trigger. It did, but it did end up breaking up this week a little bit, but I just think in
0: general, everything's sort of ranging. Yeah. I tend to agree. I've reduced my altcoin exposure over the last week. Uh, and I don't like doing that. Like I, I always like this idea of upside, you know, increasing your uh, Bitcoin or whatever, but I, I reduced it by a good bit. Um, just cause I felt like the same thing. It's like, there's some that look okay. But they're still rangy, but they may be on the top side of supports. So others look like they may have started to lose their supports. Of the one I've looked, of the ones I've looked at, one of the ones I kind of like where it is. Other than it made a lower high, uh, ZRX BTC is kind of sidewaysing, but it's the the 200 day moving average is turning up a little bit, and you know it broke out of a falling wedge that didn't really muster into much. It basically just went and tapped into the resistance and then now it's just chilling. So it's still not inspiring massive amounts of confidence, but it's, you know, there's a couple that are doing, they're doing something. Uh, Maybe there'll be a little rotation action into some stuff that uh, is, is running a bit behind. But for the most part, I just don't see anything that I'm like super in love with. Uh, So. Yeah. So here's the list. I didn't, I was about
1: to make a video on this list and then I was just like, I don't, I don't have anything to say. Uh, Adam, Neo, ETC, NEM, Doge, Zeke, DCR, Raven, ZRX, Algo, Grin, HBAR. So I looked at all
0: those and I was just like, eh,
1: there's, there's no nothing inspiring here, you know?
0: Yep. I tend to agree with that. Um, of those, I do have a little exposure on Adam, but it's, it's in my, the way I look at these, it's, uh, it's not in a place where it's like enter a trade. It's in a place. Do I exit a trade? <laughs> uh, it's just sitting right at the 200-day moving average, but um, not nothing really to like write home about in a positive way. So it's you know, um, yeah. I'd rather I'll, I'll, I much. prefer a margin Bitcoin position to uh, trying to increase Bitcoin through alts at the moment. Yeah, if your time horizon is. The next couple of weeks, I think BTC and ETH
1: are your better place. even the right. EOS or like the higher, higher uh, market cap stuff.
0: And um, that's that's exactly how I was looking at. It, is like over this small time frame, I don't, I'm not in love with the altcoins. They don't, they don't just look ready. They're not like compressed and ready to pop or anything. They're just kind of right. chilling yeah. around with pretty high volatility during the day. So. Eh.
1: And I'll mention this again, but Q2 is always the best quarter for everything. So I think entering a alt position is more attractive closer to the end of Q1 than right now. Like we've got 25 days-ish left, so.
0: Post-tax day meme? Post-tax day. Uh, yeah,
1: that's weird. I don't know why that works out like that. But if you look at those historic numbers for BTC, ETH, XRP, everything, you know, it's Q2 is where it's at.
0: People get that thousand dollar tax refund and they're like, I'm gonna buy some ripples.
1: (laughs) The uh, those hedge fund managers they get their bonuses and just (laughs) yeah, they're dumping into Ripple and in Stellar, right? Yeah, um, I guess the only other thing I'll mention about uh, Alts is uh, Rep Augur announced their version two UI look or whatever. I don't know, some invite only product on Twitter the other day. So if you're holding rep, like I am you're uh, hoping that eventually they release version two sometime in your lifetime and, uh, people use it. I don't, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, also in that land. Cause I think auger stinks in terms of being a product. Uh, but FTX is very interesting and they're, they're getting more into these betting markets and stuff. And they bought a prediction market. Uh, it was, you know, John Stossel. He's like an old Fox news guy with a huge mustache. Um, he was one of the co-owners <laughs> of it but i can't remember the name of the site but it's like some kind of prediction market so they lift they they started listing i guess some FTX betting market products or including it in their index of of betting markets and then FTX was like hi we'll buy you and they sold it so FTX is getting officially into the betting markets game which is interesting to me i was listening to a commercial recently and you know we talked about Turning all this stuff into all the things, um, like sports and stuff. I was listening to a commercial the other day for fantasy football and they were talking about a website that's actually turning fantasy football into like chartable things like, you know, putting someone's fantasy football performance on a candlestick chart, which I thought was Mm -hmm. fascinating, um, so it seems like this blend of sports and trading is really starting to hit full force, especially as things get more and more legalized in america uh but That's also I was as say, yeah, also the, as the, it gets wider adoption worldwide the sports betting legalization
1: is helping that for sure,
0: yeah, and I don't think f t x is gonna be the only exchange to kind of go down this route with sports stuff so or or betting stuff, so just a trend that I'm interested in um but they're certainly kind of a first mover in terms of getting into that market. Let's see here. We don't really want to spend much time on this. Uh, we both think Justin's son is a suspect person. Uh, <laughs> they bought Steemit, which is a the largest app on Steam, which is a blockchain that was quite centralized, apparently, because the owners of Steemit held the keys to be able to control the pre-mine, which I guess was a significant portion of the uh coins. When Justin Sun bought Steemit, uh people in the community had a on-chain vote or something and tried to jank it, uh, do away with the pre-mine, and then Justin Sun basically shut down the network using uh collaborating with some exchanges binance and i think huobi were involved and uh it's just a whole bunch of shenanigans going on there shout out sicarius for giving me the tweet summary of what happened and what's great about this is justin's son acted like it was hackers who were stealing things and really it was just people using a blockchain the way it was supposed to be used and doing on-chain governance and he he called it stealing so he's unbelievable to me screw that guy honestly uh, yeah that's that story you got anything to add to that no uh, I think any
1: <laughs> I think the moral of the story is that any proof of stake chain that has a majority or a large percentage of its holdings on an exchange is at risk for governance issues which is what I bring up with tezos all the time (laughs) everybody loves tezos everybody loves the future and potential of how the governance works but it's at risk for governance issues if much of the proof of stake is on exchange
0: yeah and certainly um i hope binance learned a little bit of a lesson there because they got some pretty quick blowback in terms of their users not being happy about it. And there's a potential that they lose a lot of money in it because I think one of the options to occur would be that essentially they have to lock all those coins for like six weeks or some kind of amount of time that was significant. And then if people went and withdrew all their coins, like for Binance to be able to serve that, they'd have to go buy a bunch of Steam it from other places and it could cause kind of an inadvertent pump on Steam. uh Don Alt on crypto was... Looking at those options. And uh, I think that one might end up playing out. And so that's a fascinating turn of events in my mind um, that I'm yep. watching. There's a conflict of
1: interest, perverse incentives, all these like issues that pop up when exchanges have control of the network, you know?
0: Yeah. Very, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> something <laughs> just, be careful out there if you're dealing with that kind of those kind of projects. Um, you've got a, a securities lawsuit on here. I don't know anything about. You want to tell me about it? Oh, so Canaan is this uh,
1: mining company, and they were slapped with a securities lawsuit. I didn't I didn't read up on it. I just thought it was interesting to mention. And uh, Bitmax and Kraken were also hit with uh, some UK regulator saying that they they shouldn't be operating in the UK or don't have proper licensing. I mean, FTX to be is the shiny example on a hill of an exchange that's just ripe for getting raked over the coals by worldwide regulators. Uh, Deribit is also up there, but they just implemented um, some pretty severe KYC—not um, recommendations, but you know—they'll close your account if you're logging in from a US IP. Basically, okay. And from a regular regulator standpoint, I think that's what they want to see. They want to see uh, strict KYC AML. If you're saying if you say you're not a U.S. exchange, you know, be serious about it. From if a regulator is looking at it, but if uh, if you're a trader, obviously in the U.S., you get punished. So it's not great, right?
0: But yeah, anyway. I'm really torn on all this stuff because I think it's stupid how many products are not available to Americans, considering. The things that you can do as an American, like go spend all your money on a lottery or uh, go blow it at a casino or um, write call options and (laughs) get a lien on your house (laughs) because you made the wrong choice. But then they have the rules that they have. It just makes no sense to me. But it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Can't really do much about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, what am I missing? So this week I wrote articles
1: on ETH, EOS and BAT. We talked about ETH, Uh, on-chain stuff for ETH looks really good lately, much better than it did even a month ago. Um, stuff like active addresses, transactions on the network. EOS had a degraded, uh, network Coinbase sort of, sort of shut off, uh, not sort of, they did shut off, uh, transactions to and from. That's been turned back on. Um, Iota's still down. I
0: was about to ask you.
1: <laughs> Just, uh, I don't even want to discuss that, honestly. But, uh, and then really did an article, of, article about Bat this week as well. Publishers keep rising if, if you don't know anything about Bat. It's a alternative to ads for many content creators uh, on Twitch, Reddit, YouTube, websites. I like the concept. I hate the coin. So I don't think it'll have any long-term value holding potential, but um, it's a really cool idea. And daily active addresses continue to go up for Bats, nearing all-time highs. So that looks good.
0: Wow, that's impressive from an address perspective. The price isn't really reflecting that though, huh?
1: No, not yet. I think most of the address rise there is just uh, publishers being paid out. So if I'm a publisher and I get paid out once a month, which is what they do, and I, in the network, it's more and more publishers, active addresses will like sort of artificially rise or, you know, it'll be juiced a little bit by that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think most publishers just sell it. I don't think most publishers
0: hold it like I do. I just, I just hold the bat cause it's whatever, but, um, I don't even do that. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I get emails every now and then it's like I have $5. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. Have the it's same. not much.
1: It's, it's, it's uh yeah it's like less than ten bucks a month but it's 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 interesting I don't know
0: I don't I don't really have anything else to say about it yeah so that's my week nice um all right let's do some predictions because we're five minutes from market close I'm sitting here talking to you and also trying to close out some positions on my legacy <laughs> markets I was uh I was very short volatility and uh thank you Fed. Uh, for doing whatever you did because uh, volatility is melting off. So I'm like getting rid of about two thirds of my position here into the close. Uh, if I if I say up week, down week in legacy markets next week, what do you say?
1: Hundred percent down week.
0: Hundred percent down week. I have got to fade this call.
1: Not not a like hundred. I have a hundred percent certainty that it'll be a down week.
0: That's that's my. Uh... But not a hundred percent certainty that it'll be it go to zero week. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about up days? Do you still think there'll there'll be aggressive up days in the midst? Well, my thesis behind why we're going to have a down week is that I think next week's going
1: to be the, the highest number of cases in the U.S. like reported or discovered. Um, so I think that's going to the market's going to roll over on that next week. Fair.
0: I don't know uh, if it's justified,
1: but you know that's. I think that's what's going to happen.
0: I think the market has rolled over, anticipating that. That's my take.
1: Okay, that's fair.
0: Um, I think if you force me to say, I think uh, next week we go up a little bit. If you force me, I'm not. I don't feel great about it, but I think it's the most likely outcome. Uh, just because, I mean, what we've seen so far is so insane to me. I'm in disbelief. Maybe that's bearish. Isn't there, um, it's a bunch of primaries
1: this week, right? Democratic primaries.
0: Yeah. And I don't really think that was a super impactful part of this whole volatility in the week. But some people said, because Biden had such a good day on Super Tuesday that that was why the market had some positive reactions. I just think yeah. this is a market that's going to whipsaw like crazy, so uh, that's part of it. Alright, let's switch to Bitcoin then. Uh, Bitcoin, wild weekend or boring weekend?
1: I think it's bullish. Bitcoin looks bullish to me. It looks bullish to me. They look the strongest out of anything that I've seen. Even among the higher caps, it looks good to see us I reclaim think, 9k and like hold at 9k. I like that.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think Bitcoin uh I think Bitcoin's going to have a fun weekend. But yeah. I, I think I think that people are going to get out of this legacy market situation and they're going to turn their head and look at what's going on in crypto and see how little it is and then they're going to be like uh yeah, we'll we'll dance. We'll dance over there. Uh, got to get your continued hopium hits, you know, or whatever you call them. Dopium. Dopium? <laughs> that's what it's supposed to be called. What, what <laughs> yeah. kind of market is this? You guys are still trading over here? Man, I got to cool down from this, uh, hot streak I've been having over here in Legacy. I'm going to, I'm going to go play with you. Yeah. Uh, that's a totally non-scientific ju- justification for saying, I think that, uh, Bitcoin's going to have a fun weekend. Yeah. So that's all I got
1: for this week. How about you? Anything else?
0: No, I think that's it. I'm, uh, I have to say like, I'm just kind of chilling in a low leverage Bitcoin long and not too much exposure in altcoins so that I'm just, I'm not doing a whole lot there and I'm just watching and very curious to see what happens in legacy. I think it's, I think whatever is going on is, it's an important time. Like what, what we're experiencing It'll of course be obvious in hindsight, like, oh, duh, that was beginning of the recession, idiot. Uh, Or it'll be like one of the, another dip by that coronavirus was overhyped, yada, yada. It priced in and we moved on. I don't really think that's what we're going to turn into here. I think we'll chill for a bit. Like this volatility is too high. I don't, I do not think we're going 08 highs of volatility. That's stupid. But uh, I think that, there's still some drama left. We'll have a lot of high volatility days, but on the, on the whole, I think it's going to chill out for a little while.
1: Yeah. I mean, much like the Tezos reaction that you got from people that, Oh, it's not making all time highs every day. I feel like the legacy people are the same when you tell them, maybe we're just going to range for a little bit, you know,
0: (laughs) that's okay. Have you ever considered that?
1: that? (laughs) It's okay. That Tesla isn't making an all time high every day. You know, that's okay. Yeah. Markets don't always go up forever. They don't go down forever. Going sideways is fine.
0: Yep. That's exactly how I feel. Um, I just realized something funny. <laughs> gotta, gotta hurry. Uh, uh, Here we go. I was uh, selling some calls as a part of a position that I need to close out like right this moment. Y'all are sitting here listening to me panic trading so I don't get a margin call because I, was buying a bunch of shares of something accidentally. That's what happens in options. If you play spreads and stuff, you uh, if it, you know if you like buy, let's say you buy calls and then you sell some other calls to hedge it, uh, like a calendar spread type of trade. Well, if you are the ones you sell, if they're expiring that day, then you get assigned to that position. So um, the amount of that assignage could be more dollars than you have in your account to buy it with. And therefore you could, uh, uh, you could owe some money, get a margin call purely because you didn't close out the option. So I just closed, I closed a silver position there with less than a minute to go. I would have gotten a, would have gotten a phone call from my broker on Monday saying, Hey, you need to, uh, sell these shares. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine, Josh. It'll be fine. It's fine. I don't know how you're trading while we're talking, but it's fine. (laughs) All right. That's all I have. Yeah, all right, let's go let's go home. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you all have a great day, and we'll talk to you next time. Monuments crumble in the blink of an eye. The easy river has just run dry in a house of cars. I Wound so tight I can barely breathe Oh, the